Grab him, but I'm glad to have Brother Littles with us this morning. Um, he's been a my favorite preacher all my life. So I, uh, Dawson, you and I might be the only ones that have publicly said that Brother Sharon wasn't our favorite preacher, but uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to have with me my favorite preacher, and I'm glad he's here with us for the rest of us this morning. Brother Littles, please come. Uh, take your liberty. Praise the Lord, everyone. Isn't God good? Amen. Amen. His mercies are brand new every single day. Uh, if you haven't already felt his mercy, it's your feeler is off. <laughs> it's not that his mercies are short. When I get to noon and I haven't felt his mercies, it's because my feelers are off. He has already bathed us in mercies, and this morning he has certainly done so in seasons of worship and thanksgiving that we have felt his goodness here today. I appreciate the privilege to be here with you folks today and was with the teachers yesterday. Appreciate Brother and Sister Sharon's invitation and hanging out with Jason, Amber, and their kids, even though I booted one of their kids out of their bedroom for a place to stay for a couple of days. So it's been a delight to be here. And of course, this is a uh, a heritage church with many, many years of faithfulness to God's goodness and to recognize that those years of sowing seed continue to bear precious, precious fruit. Uh, as we turn here in a few moments to uh, Exodus chapter number 19, when I think about life and one of the things that's exciting about being a lifelong educator, particularly when I was teaching little kids, is teaching children is always help easy to get them curious about things. Children are always curious about Christmas, and uh, parents have to be careful to not put the gifts out too early because they'll drive their ki the kids will drive them absolutely insane with trying to figure out what's inside. My dad was gifted at shaking gifts just by his head, and just about three shakes, he could almost always guess what it was, and it would drive my mother absolutely insane. Some people are curious about the stars when they look into the heavens, and they gaze out there, and perhaps you saw some of the recent pictures that came back from a satellite that we had sent out with telescopes larger than before, and the amazing images that are out there, you just can't help but be curious. I've been blessed to travel a few places around the country and around the world. I'm always curious of what the food's going to be like. I'm curious about what the customs are like and what those customs mean. I'm always curious to try that out those various foods, although I don't always want to know what's in it. Just let me taste it, and you may want to hide me from what you put in it, I'm just curious about what it's going to taste like. Sadly, some people in our world today are curious about some things which bring destruction. Some folks might take meth one time or heroin one time. Say, I'm just curious about what it is. I'll do it one time. And that curiosity can take them to a road of destruction that they didn't know the end of it. Saddened to see when I read in the media of people who are abusers of power and authority. They thought they could use that power in a way to help and to bring change. And then 
because they followed that path of wondering what they could do with that power, they abused others. Uh, my parents pastored in Wayne County for a season 20 years or so, and the highest cause of death for adolescents in Wayne County was speed, automobile accidents. Curiosity of how much can I handle and how fast can this car go, that curiosity brought death. So this morning, we were designed to be curious about something. It is so sad to see someone who is no longer curious about anything. Walking through a death-like trance. I'm not afraid of zombies. I don't really think there are any. I'm not really worried about a zombie apocalypse, but I have looked at some folks' eyes and wonder. Is there any more curiosity in there someplace? This morning I've come with a question. Are you just a little bit curious about what God has for your tomorrows? Are you just a little bit curious about what God is wanting to do in your life? These three days of prayer and fasting that are coming up this week, is there anybody just a little bit curious about how God is going to use those three days to accomplish His purposes and His design. Are there any elders in the room who have been around for a number of decades? Is there any elder in the room that says, I'm a little bit curious. We've seen God do amazing things in yesterdays. I'm a little bit curious about what God wants to do the remainder of this year because I know God has been good before. I'm just curious about what God wants to do right here and right now. There may be a visitor in the room and you're a little bit curious what will happen if I give my life to Jesus and surrender to Him. There are some folks here today that will testify that will be the best step you take in your life, following the curiosity that Jesus has in store, in store for you. As we look at uh, Exodus chapter number 19, verse 4 and following, Exodus chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, 19, verse 4 and following. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bore you out on we eagles' wings and I brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice and indeed keep my covenant, then you will be a peculiar. Look at your neighbor and say, you're strange looking. Some of you husbands shouldn't have been chuckling near as loudly as you did. I want to make you into a peculiar treasure, a special treasure unto me. Let me tell you, there are some things that are special to me, such as my wife and my kids and my grandbabies. And I cannot hardly imagine what it is that you and I could be special to God this morning. When my grandbabies come and visit me, that's a special occasion. And I know that Sherry's got some plans in store. But we are in the presence of an almighty God here this morning. And you are special to God. You are precious to God. Could you just get a little bit curious with me? What does God do when He counts you special? And what does God do when He counts you precious? All the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. 
You're going to be a holy nation. And these are the words which you will speak unto the children of Israel. Drop down to verse 14. Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified them. That word sanctified means make clean, pure, or holy with a purpose, set apart with a purpose. They washed their clothes. There's a good idea. And said unto the people, Be ready against the third day, and come not unto your wives. Came to pass on the third day in the morning there was a thunder. In the morning there was lightning. In the morning there was a thick cloud upon the mountain, and the voice of a trumpet with exceeding loud said that all the camp was trembled. I live in Dallas, Texas, three or four million people. That's about the size of the camp of the children of Israel. Cannot imagine what it would be like there to be a sound that every single pane of glass in Dallas would shake. That's what happened on that day. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the neither part of the mountain And the Mount Sinai was altogether on smoke because God descended upon it in a fire. And the smoke there of ascending of the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain began to quake greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder and Moses spake and God answered him, by a voice. Lord, we are thankful that you're still the mountain shaker, you're still the cloud maker, and you're still the voice speaker. We are here this morning to be able to get curiosity in our spirit to anticipate great things that you have in store for this earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Israel had come to this mountain. Their identity required a recognition that God had already been their God, and God was a covenant God. He was calling them to be a kingdom of priests and to set them apart for a purpose, calling them to be a nation of a people who could be a witness to the whole world. God put Israel right smack dab between Egypt and the Assyrians, between Egypt and Rome, between Egypt and Babylon. No matter who was in power, they had to go through Israel to get to their enemy. Why in the world would God put them in such a precarious place? It's because God wanted them to be a witness to the world. We don't have natural offenses, but as Brother Little spoke this morning, we have. We have a good shepherd, and he stands at the door to protect us and to keep us. And the psalmist said, some will trust in chariots and some will trust in horses. But I will remember. I will remember the name of the Lord our God. He spoke to them and said, I, the Lord brought you out on eagles' wings. They were a defenseless, powerless people. Hundreds of years of slavery had squeezed, had squeezed rebellion out of them, had squeezed anticipation out of them, and even squeezed curiosity out of them. 
But then somehow in the midst of their suffering, they cried out unto God. And God said, when you cry unto me, I'm going to hear your voice. There might be someone here this morning that's already called out to an almighty God. I need you to know God heard you. There might be someone in the room that's been in pain for weeks and months and you're saying, God has not heard my cry. Oh, yes, he has. You see, he is here present always with us. His ear is tuned towards us. All you got to do is say, Jesus, and he's there immediately, right on time to do exactly what he has purposed for us. Israel had been born out on eagle's wings and they needed, they needed to ask the question of why did God do that? Why did God do that? You see, so many people are busy getting out of Egypt, they forget to go into the promised land. So many people are trying to stop sinning, but they never get around to living on God's purposes and God's plan. So many are trying to combat thoughts in their minds which control them and manipulate them. And they never learn to realize, I'm a chosen child of an almighty God and He has a purpose and a design for my life. Your yesterday has no authority on you anymore. You've been bought with a price. Your eye is on a road all the way fixed to glory and it is already settled. Our name is in the book, and we are going through the book of Philemon. No chapter reference, because there's only one chapter. The book of Philemon, verse number Philemon, verse number four. Paul speaks to Israel, uh, to Philemon and says, "I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayer." And then he gives the prayer request. He says, "I I make a prayer request, verse number five, because I hear of your love and your faith." Love and faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. Let me pause right there. I want to see in this room this morning how many of you have faith in Jesus. How many of you can honestly say this morning, I love my Savior? How many of you can say, I love people in my big family that's in the house here this morning. Now, now we do have some weird cousins, right? If you don't know who your weird cousin is, it's you. We all have some weird cousins and weird uncles. I, uh, when, when Jason offered that I could stay at his home, I said, sure, if your kids can handle the weird uncle coming by for a few days. I... Uh, we used to have a weird uncle, Uncle Bill. He was our designated weird uncle. Uh, uncle Bill passed away a couple years ago, so I think I'm it now. I, I'm, I'm the weird uncle. But Paul says, I heard how much you loved God. I heard that you walked by faith. I heard that you also had love towards all the saints. And because I saw that in you, here's my prayer for you. I pray that the communication of your faith, that faith that abides in First Church, that faith that abode in Philemon, that faith that's in First Church this morning, I pray that it become effectual by the acknowledgement of the every good thing which is in you 
in Christ Jesus. I pray that the faith that's in First Church, Paul would be saying, I pray that that faith becomes mighty in being communicated to your neighbors and to your family that doesn't yet know Jesus. I pray the faith that's in this room begin to expand in your heart and expand in your mind until God can do something with your faith beyond your current awareness. Is anybody curious about what God would do if we would walk by faith and not by sight? We as Pentecostals, we are blessed to feel His presence. I've felt His presence this morning. We are blessed to feel His presence. Unfortunately, as Pentecostals, sometimes we start walking by feelings. If I don't feel Him, I'm going to jump until I feel Him. You may just feel sweat. You may just feel aching muscles that haven't been exercised in a while. We are not dependent on feeling Him. We are blessed when we feel Him. But faith says, I don't have to feel Him to believe Him. Faith says, He has already been good to me. And if He's been good before, as the beginner of my faith, I believe He's going to be the finisher of my faith. If he started me on the walk, he's going to take me all the way through on this walk. He has never failed me before, and he has never failed me again. We know that his word is forever settled in the heavens above. So his prayer, Paul's prayer for Philemon, and Paul's prayer for us at First Church here this morning is that our faith could become effectually acknowledged in the world because of all the good things that's in us from Christ Jesus. Is there anybody in this room that you used to be addicted to alcohol, but God has redeemed you? Can I see a hand? God did that. God did that. Is anybody in this room that said your family was in trouble, but you came to Jesus together and God restored your family? Can I see a hand of someone that would say, God put my family back together? Look at that. God did that. God did that. Is there anyone in the room that was so depressed you didn't know if there was a reason to get up one more day, but you found hope in Jesus Christ and He has a purpose for your life? Would you raise your hand and say, God gives me a reason to live? We used to have testimony service. Anybody been around that long? If we had about six hours this afternoon, we could just start testifying of how good God's been to me. When I was nine years old, my appendix were ruptured and I should have died. My parents were starting their first church in western, in upstate New York. They took me into the pediatrician to get my physical so I could start school that year at a new school. I walked into the pediatrician's office. He looked at me. He did not touch me. He did not have me stick out my tongue. I don't know why doctors do that, ask me to be rude to them all the time. He never asked me to stick out my tongue. He didn't ask me to say anything. He just looked at me and said, the boy's got ruptured appendix, take him to the hospital right now. Don't know what that doctor's belief in God was, but I believe God revealed to him what was wrong with me. 
took me to the hospital, and he argued. they stood over my bed in the hallway. The doctor said he's got ruptured appendix to do surgery now. The surgeon said, oh, no, he's just got some kind of flu bug. He'll get over it. They're arguing across the bed. Finally, the pediatrician grabbed my chart off the end of the bed, took a pen out of his pocket, and scrawled across, you will do surgery now. Surgeon had no choice. He, they took me to the surgery uh, right then, and he opened me up and found that my appendix had indeed been ruptured for over a week, and the poison had been caught in a sack in my body that doesn't belong in your body. I need you to know God is still a miracle-working God. That was when I was nine. Uh, I'm not nine anymore. (laughs) Somebody asked me if I needed a haircut this morning. I said, not near as much as I used to. It's been a long time since that fourth grader had to stay out of school a month while his side healed up. It's been a long time since I watched my brother shoot my bow and arrow for my birthday that year because I was too weak to do anything about it. But this morning, there's some curiosity in me. If God did that in my yesterday, I wonder what God has in store for my tomorrow. It's high time for us to quit praying about what's wrong and start praying about, God, I wonder what you want to do in my tomorrow. I wonder how you want to turn this town upside down tomorrow through First Church. I I wonder how you want to change my family. I wonder how you want to use me at school or at work or at Walmart. I just wonder, Lord, I'm a little bit curious. Why you're giving me a brand new day. Moses was telling Israel, he brought you out on eagle's wings. Aren't you a little curious about why? There's someone here this morning, if you've never been baptized in his name, it could happen here today. Sins can be washed away in a moment and we will... I'll get excited with you. Well, I won't dance because this is all I can do when I dance. That's the extent. I do most of my dancing on the inside. I'll be dancing on the inside while you're getting baptized. But here's what I want you to grasp. If you're baptized in his name this morning, we're going to celebrate that. But I'm going to be really curious about how God wants to continue to transform your life in the days ahead. I'm going to be really curious about how God's going to make you a missionary on your job and in your family and in your neighborhood. I'm going to be really curious about what spiritual gift God's going to put in you to do His work. You see, so many folks look backward and say, God was good to me. They can't turn around and look forward and say, I wonder what God wants to do through me on my tomorrow. We can testify here this morning. Pastor, uh, your pastor Sharon, he is at work demonstrating what God has done. Uh, Your previous pastor, the the singing fellow whose name escaped me just here, Magruder, (laughs) 
the things that he had done and Brother Langford and Brother Seagraves and some of those that have gone before can testify about what God has done. I want somebody in the house today to say, I stand on the eagle's wings of yesterday, but I'm not looking backward to 1970 or 1980 or 2000. I am anticipating what God's going to do the rest of September and what God has planned for October. I wonder what revival's coming in November. There's a reason we've been brought out on eagle wing. There's a reason God loves us and has prepared us and has quickened us in this hour. Don't know about you, but I'm just a wee bit curious right now because I believe God's up to something. They let me hang out at the house an extra hour before coming to church. They had busy stuff to do, and I needed to wait till kids were out of the bathroom so I could shave. I went down the kitchen and got my second, third, or fourth cup of coffee. I pledge it might harm me if I would really confess which cup of coffee it was. As I was walking through the kitchen, I could smell some smells about dinner time coming up. I'm just a little bit curious what that smell is going to mean and a taste here in a little bit. My mama was a cook. My grannies were cooks. My wife is a splendid baker and cook. When they get in the kitchen and start working the magic with all the stuff, I start getting curious. Mm, what's coming? And when am I going to feast on it? I get a little bit anxious about what's coming on. I'm wondering if there's anybody in the spirit today that's willing to do that. Oh, Lord, I just can't wait to see what you're going to do in First Church for the remainder of this year. Oh, you've been so good to us in all the yesterdays. And I, woo, I'm looking forward to the remainder of this fall. I wonder about this fall. What kind of outpouring of your presence? Woo, how many folks are going to get the Holy Ghost at this altar this fall, Pastor Jason? I'm, I'm wondering how many miracles are going to be in the house. I'm, I'm wondering how many spiritual gifts are going to be released in God's people to do His work in this hour. I'm just a little bit curious. When the mountain starts shaking and the trumpet starts blaring, the best thing to do is get ready. When the kitchen was starting to smell right, my mama always says, get your hands. She was from southern Missouri and lived in southern Illinois, so she said, get your hands washed. No wonder I couldn't spell well at school. Because wash doesn't have an R in it. Get your hands washed. That was code for it's almost time to eat. And since I had three brothers, it was a race to see who would get the food. When it comes time, a precipice of something new, it's time to get ready. Scripture says Moses sanctified the people. He said a prayer over them. They washed their clothes. I don't know what they wore while they were washing their clothes because they didn't have walk-in closets. Maybe they just, half the family washed their clothes at one time while the other stayed in the tent. <laughs> Change it around. Because in the Bible days, extra clothes was equal to extra wealth. So if you had, you remember Babylonian garments that got a man's family killed because they were 
hiding those garments. So extra clothes was extra wealth. So here are some people taking turns washing clothes because they don't have extra clothes to wash and to wear while they are at it. They wash their clothes. And then the scripture has this strange statement. Stay away from your wives. That is, don't engage in uh, relationships between a husband and wife for these three days. At first glance, that looks a little bit strange. What does that mean to get ready for God? What it meant is I'm going to be a God different than the world is. In the world's idol's eyes, in the idol worship of the day, sexuality was linked to worship. So it was a way of idolatry. God was, going, was trying to tell them, I am superior to everything else. So get your clothes washed and stay away from some stuff for just a few days because you need to know when you come to me, I am superior to all things. Our world today is confusing sexuality with choice. Our world today is confusing gender identity with self-creation and self-forming and self-making. I need you to understand that we as male and females were made in the very image of an almighty God. And as we come before an almighty God, we are willing to confess. He made me a man, I will be satisfied with that. Or he made me a woman and I will be satisfied with that. I have to confess, you probably already know it, but I'm early onset geezer. And since I'm an early onset geezer, I don't need to act like I'm pre-geezer. I don't need to act like I'm 50 or 40 or 30 or 20 or 10. I need to be satisfied with my age. I need to be satisfied with my height. I need to be satisfied with my intelligence or lack thereof. I, I need to be satisfied with the gifts and I need to be aware of my weaknesses. Why? Because the Lord formed me. Jeremiah was asked one day, I have a plan for you, Jeremiah. Will you say yes? And Jeremiah said, I'm too young and I'm not good enough. God said, when you were in your mama's belly, I knew you and formed you and I made you for this hour. There's somebody in the house this morning that's wondering, am I any good? Am I valuable for anything? I need you to know you were molded by the hand of God and you were made for this hour. You were designed for this hour. This is your time to to live on God's purposes and God's design. I don't want to make me over. I want Him to make me over. I don't want to determine who I am. I want Him to determine who I am. So Moses sanctified the people. The people washed their clothes. And they abstained from relationships with one another. If we turn to Exodus chapter number 3, we can realize Moses has been here before. Moses has been here before. Mrs. Grandparent Sunday didn't know that uh, when I came, but kind of fits in here. How many brothers and sisters in this room have had the Holy Spirit more than, let's pick a number, 30 years. You've had the Holy Ghost more than 30 years. Can I see some hands in the house? God is faithful. God is good. I'm among that number. I received the Holy Ghost in 1967, so it's been a little while now. One of the benefits of that little while now, as I can testify, I've been through some things already.
And I've told you one story of God's faithfulness. And I could keep on telling you about how faithful God is. Starting the second church, we moved into the building, which we had to replace a couple of hundred windows. I learned how to use DAT 44 and a putty knife that summer. Uh, my 15th summer, we were replaced, uh, I don't know how many hundreds of window panes. But we moved into the building while there were still no windows. It was an old schoolhouse built in the 20s. All the windows had been smashed out. We lived in there for a while, and uh, uh, I picked a bedroom, and my brothers picked a bedroom, and it rained, and the heavens were opened, and so were the ceiling. I remember my brothers having to move their bed in the middle of the night because they picked a bad spot, and the rivers of life were flowing uh, through the church that day. We didn't have a lot of resources in those days to even buy food, but somehow that summer, for some reason, Almost every day we would get up and go to the back door and there'd be a bag of vegetables and groceries almost every day. We finally caught the guy. <laughs> we started calling him the raven because God was supplying. God was supplying every need. You see, I've been here before. I can testify to you that our God's a supplying God. I've been here before. Our God's a healing God. I've been here before. Our God's a hope-giving God. I've been here before. God's a God of peace. He's not a God of despair. Our God is a God of tomorrow, not a God of yesterday. I've been here before. And I need you to know if God did it before, God can do it again. If you're here this morning and you've got despair in your spirit, would you just get a little bit curious about what God will do when He takes away your despair and gives you hope again? Exodus chapter number 3, Moses had been by a smoking place before. Exodus 3 verse number 1, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Now at this time, Moses is a well-seasoned geezer. He's 80. He had been raised 40 years in a palace, 40 years getting the palace kicked out of him. And now he's a shepherd. In that day, shepherding was a low-class job. It's something you would give to children, perhaps, to watch over your sheep. He did not even own his own sheep. He'd been destined to be prime minister of Egypt, and now he doesn't even own his own sheep. Everything had been driven out of him he led the flock by the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God. It just happened to be the mountain of God. He was really just looking for a pasture for the sheep, looking for a safe place for them to feed. He came to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto Moses in the flame of a fire out of the middle of a bush. So there was this tree. You've heard this story before. There was this bush that started flaming a little bit. And Moses... Looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. What was left in Moses was just a little bit of curiosity. Verse number 3, Moses says, I will now turn aside and see this great sight of why this bush is burning, but it's not consumed. I have no hope for meaning. I have no hope for purpose. I have no hope for having my own farm. I just got somebody else's sheep. 
My sons were supposed to be princes in Egypt. Instead, they're here with me doing nothing in the desert. But I got a little bit of curiosity in me. I'm going to turn aside and see what's happening. I'm here on this Sunday morning to let you know you may not have much strength left in you, but if you can just muster up a little bit of curiosity, God has a plan. If you just get your eyes off of where you were and get your eyes on where God is, get your eyes on what's not happening and get your eyes on the miracle that's right in front of you. So Moses turns aside. It was an angel in the bush. Now I do understand from Scripture sometimes the angel of the Lord means a theophany of the Lord. But in this passage, verse number 4, it goes from being an angel of the Lord in the fire to the Lord seeing that that Moses turned aside and the Lord speaking and saying, Moses, Moses. It changed from an angel in the fire to a God that called. I'm here this morning to testify to you that there's something on your horizon individually. There's something on your horizon as a family. Something on your horizon as ministry teams or something on the horizon for your church. God is on the horizon and I'm speaking it. But if you're willing to say, I want to see what Jim's talking about here this morning. I want to know what God's up to. It's going to change from my voice to the voice of an almighty God that says, I see some curiosity in First Church. I want to do a work there and he's going to call on your name. Now, it's pretty cool. I read the story of a mountain burning, the story of it shaking three million people. Moses' experience is one little burning twig. Oh, that's cool. A tree that burns that isn't burned is cool, but you know what's even more cool? A whole mountain on fire that's not consumed. It was cool hearing one voice, but now hear the trumpets. It was cool observing it all alone, but now standing with three million witnesses. You see that? You, last time I saw something like this was just me and a few sheep. Now I got three million people not seeing one burning tree, but we are seeing one burning mountain. What God did before was bush size. What God's going to do now is mountain size. What God started out was small, but what God has in plan is big. Ah, we witness in the house. I've seen some burning trees shaped miracles, but church, if you get just a little bit curious, God's about to do a mountain burning miracle. God did some small things and God's about to do some big things. Somebody be just a little bit curious. If you've only repented, baptism moves you from a small thing to a bigger thing. If you've only been baptized and you've not received the Holy Spirit, get ready for something amazing to happen. You ought to be curious. When people say, do I have to have the Holy Ghost, I know they're not very curious. Now, I'm just a little bit curious about what that cherry pie is going to taste like in a little box, which means that box won't make it to Texas. 
I'm not going to stare at the box for a week and a half and say, I wonder, do I have to eat it? I'm too curious about what that cherry pie tastes like. If you're asking this morning, do I have to have the Holy Ghost? I came to light a flame of curiosity inside of somebody. I wonder if somebody that doesn't have the Holy Spirit here this morning would wonder, what would it be like if God came and lived in me? What would it be like if my shames were all washed away? What would it be like if feeling broken and shattered were gone? And What would it be like to have a purpose in my life? Let me tell you, if you've got curiosity and you're willing to surrender everyone to Jesus right now, the Holy Spirit is for you today. As a matter of fact, according to Acts chapter number 10, while I'm yet speaking these words, if you get curious enough, you could just stand and raise your hands right now and say, Lord, I'm curious enough right now. I surrender all to you. Fill me with your spirit. God's done it before. He will do it again if somebody just a little bit curious. So step number one for Moses is he got curious. Step number two, verse number four. The Lord saw that Moses turned aside to see and God called out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. First step was to get curious. Are you willing to turn aside from what's preoccupying you? Secondly is to respond to God calling your name. God knows your name. He knows exactly where you live. He's had you on his mind before your mama knew you were coming. How long has God been thinking about me? Before my mama knew I was on the way. That's how long God's been thinking about me and thinking about you. Moses, Moses, here am I. God is calling this morning for you individually. God is calling your family. God is calling this congregation as a people. And if we will just get curious enough to say, God's up to something and he just called my name and here am I. Samuel did that. He finally found out that that was God calling. So Samuel's response the next time he heard his name was, Here am I. In just a few moments here, I'm going to open up this altar to anybody who's willing to say, Here am I. And if you will come with a here am I curiosity spirit, you better buckle up because God's fixing to do something in the house even here this morning in preparation for what God wants to do this week, what God wants to do this month, and the conclusion of this year, if you're just a little bit curious. The third thing, you see it in verse number five. So first, you've got to be curious. Second, you've got to respond to God calling your name. The third thing we see in verse number 5, he said, Draw nigh, not nigh hither. Put off your shoes from your feet, for the place where you now stand is holy ground. It used to be just a mountain with some scrub brush, but it got transformed into holy ground, not because you're here, Moses, but because I'm here. I need us to understand today The Lord is calling us to present ourselves as a holy people before Him. We're curious. We're going to respond to His voice. And now we're taking the step, Lord, purify us by Your mercies. For Moses, it was symbolized by shucking his shoes. Sorry if pink flamingos bothers anybody. That's the look for today. 
Moses shucked his shoes and became a symbol of standing on holy ground. This morning as we are in the presence of an almighty God, holiness is going to be represented by a repentant spirit that says, Lord, here I am, prepare me for a new thing. I'm going to pray. We are going to pray together right now. This is altar call number one. You don't come up here yet because i got just a little bit more to do. But here's altar call number one. Lord, forgive me. Anything is displeasing to you. Make us holy right now. Lord Jesus, individually and collectively, we pray a prayer of repentance. Individually and collectively, we surrender anything which is displeasing to you. Individually and collectively, Lord God, we lay down thoughts of anger towards one another. We lay down animosity in our spirit. We lay down despair. We lay down those things which we are lusting after and coveting, which we do not have. We lay all those things down. We lay down dependence on entertainment or drugs to get us through life. We lay that down right now in the name of Jesus because you are the only one that gives us hope and healing. I lay it all down in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with me, I want to confess to you under the unction of the Holy Spirit and the authority of His, your word, like Moses did, you are now purified by the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that if you have confessed, He is faithful and just to forgive us all of our iniquity. We are now standing on holy ground. We are standing as a holy people, a purified people. You are holy now. Receive the holiness from God. Well, Brother Littles, I didn't do anything. I just said, Lord, forgive me. That's what you got to do. And His holiness is on us. So I want to see the hands that are those that are willing to receive the holiness of God right now. Just raise a hand. I receive that prayer, Brother Littles. I receive it. It's mine. I receive it. Lord, you see these hands that are upraised. You see the hands that are dedicated towards being made holy by you. We receive it now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This holiness is not just in our person, O oh Lord, but it, you're going to take it into our homes. You're going to take it into our workplaces, sanctifying us with your purpose in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. If there's anyone in the room that did not raise their hand, I pray for you that in the weeks to come, that you get a quest to draw closer to a holy God where you surrender to His purposes and His design. A quest not of fear, but a quest of curiosity. What would happen if I let go of control of my life and give it to God? That's what being holy means. You give it up and He takes control. Number one, get curious. Number two, respond to the name. Number three, prepare for holy ground. Number four is relationship. Relationship, verse number six. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face for fear that he was afraid to look upon God. 
So this fourth step is this invitation to relationship with God. We have to understand that God is not primarily a God of theology books. God is primarily a God of relationship. Okay, I've read a few theology book pages, okay? I've taught a few courses on theology in the last 30-some-odd years. I mean, from undergrad to graduate school. I know the beauty of teaching theology. But our God is more a God of relationship than He is a God of theology. You may know what omniscience means, and that's good. You may know what omnipotent means, and that's fine. You may be able to fully articulate the best we know how, what the, how the oneness of God, of God being incarnate in Christ is, and that's good. But I want you to know you can confess all of that, but if you don't have a relationship with Him, you don't know anything. As a matter of fact, you can love your neighbor so much that you give your body to be burned, but if you don't know the God of love and do it out of love, then you're just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. This morning, it doesn't matter how smart you are or how educated you are. What matters, are you willing to say, I want a relationship with a God who offers relationship with me. I want a God who speaks to me. I want a God who spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Today the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is in the house. And all you got to say is I'm curious about what that God wants to do in me. As you're standing together with me, we have three more verses to read from Exodus chapter 20. We did a flashback to, to Moses saying, I've been here before. Now let's look to chapter 18. Uh, sorry, four verses, 18 and following. The people saw the thundering on the mountain, not the bush. They had heard Moses' witness, God's good at the bush. You've heard my witness and some show of hands, God's been good in yesterday. The people saw the thundering on the mountain and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpets. And the mountain was smoking and shaking. And when the people saw it... They removed, they ran away, they went and stood in their tent. They said unto Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but don't let God speak to us again. What a horrible statement. I'll hear the preacher but I don't want to hear God. I'll hear the worship leaders, but I don't want God speaking to me. I'll let somebody else testify how God's been good to them and they've seen the smoking mountains, but I don't want to see the smoking mountain. I don't want to get close enough to God to see the miracle working God. Moses was heartbroken, and Moses said unto the people, Don't be afraid, for God has come to prove you that you, his fear may be before your eyes. Fear meaning respect for holy places. His fear be before you for holy eyes. Verse number 21. The people stood a long way off, but Moses came into the thick darkness where God was. 
This morning there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to step into where God's taking First Church for next month and this fall. I'm not talking about 2023. I'm talking about what God wants to do in the next three months. God is preparing to do amazing things. But for God to be able to do it, there's got to be some people from First Church that says, I'm going to be a little curious. I'm going to turn my back on what I don't have, and I'm going to turn my eyes towards curiosity to what God is doing. I'm going to spend my days not lamenting how little I have or that my life doesn't have meaning. Instead, I'm going to say I'm curious about what God has in store for me, my family, and First Church. In this room, there are some people called to new ministries. God is forging some new ministries here. God is equipping some people to teach Bible studies that have not taught them before, equipping new people to teach Sunday school, equipping new people to reach out in the community to people in need. But he's going to have to have some people to say, I'm just a little bit curious. I'm a little bit curious. So right now, my prayer request for you, my first prayer earlier was, God, make us holy. My next prayer request right now, Lord, would you light a fire of curiosity inside of us? Lord Jesus, right now, under the leading of your spirit, I pray, would you ignite curiosity? Would you ignite curiosity in the youth group? Lord, are there some 13, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old young people who dare to get curious about what God wants to do in their day? Ignite it right now in Jesus' name, I pray. Lord Jesus, parents with young children that are exhausted by work and caring for those babies, I wonder if for just a moment they can imagine that you have something for them in this season of their life, a work for you to do through them and their busyness of life. Lord, would you ignite curiosity in these young couples? In Jesus' name, I pray. Oh, Jesus, for singles in the room, either unmarried by choice or unmarried by tragedy or unmarried because there's not an equitable marriage made in sight. Right now, oh Lord, would you ignite a curiosity in our singles that your purpose and your will is more important and beyond finding a spouse or grieving over the loss of a spouse. Oh Lord, would you ignite curiosity in our singles? Our empty nesters and our seniors, oh Lord, would you ignite a curiosity that says what God has done yesterday is but a foretaste. It's just a bush compared to what God wants to do tomorrow. Oh dear God, would you give me a curiosity that says my miracles from yesterday are just little twigs to the mountain miracles you want to do tomorrow. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Finally, for the guest, for the new visitor, one is just making the journey to you. I pray, O oh Lord, for a curiosity. What it would be like to have my sins washed away. What would it be like to receive the Holy Spirit, Jesus abiding me every day of my life. I pray for curiosity for those that are on their way towards you, that you could draw them near. In Jesus' name I pray. Jesus' name I pray. Jesus' name I pray. Jesus' name I pray. If there's a spark of curiosity in you about what God wants to do, would you bring that spark to this altar as a sacrifice? Stand, don't kneel. 
Would you bring that spark to this altar if there's a spark of curiosity in you? I wonder what God's going to do. What's God up to? Why has God already done these miracles? Why has God delivered me? Why is God calling me in this hour? Would you come? Would you come? Beautiful. Beautiful. Would you come? Another minute. Would you come? Doesn't take a lot of curiosity, just a spark. I wonder what life would be like if it weren't boring. I wonder what life would we be like if I didn't live in despair every day. I wonder what life would be like if I had hope in the morning when I got up and could anticipate something during the day. If you could have that spark of hope, would you come? A spark of wonder, what's God doing? All right? Those of you that have come, raise your hands with me. Lord Jesus, we present our spark of curiosity to you right now. We surrender it to you as an act of worship. I'm anticipating what you're wanting to do in us, your people, in this fall season. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. In the name of Jesus, a holy anointing fall on these men. In Jesus' name I pray. A holy blessing on these ladies that have come with a spirit of curiosity, anticipating what God wants to do. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray.